just to let you guys know, this episode was recorded over a Zoom call, so the quality is not as good as normal, but I hope you can still understand what we're saying. This was a really, really amazing conversation, um, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello everyone, welcome to Word, the podcast. My name is Megan Lane and I am a female empowerment coach, speaker, writer and mental health advocate. And I'm here to provide a safe space for you to tune in, listen to some honest and vulnerable and inspiring conversations. And I hope that this podcast helps you to make a little more sense out of life. So I love you, I appreciate you and thank you so much for being here. Hi guys, so today I'm here with Matt Karma who is one of my favorite people on Instagram. I feel like I say that about everyone that comes on as a guest, but I guess that's why I get them on because they're my favorite people. (laughs) So I come to your page for every time I'm feeling a bit uninspired or I'm feeling stuck or I need even some inspiration for my posts or something that I want to go a bit deeper with. I always come to your page. I can't even remember how I found it, to be honest. But I, I reached out to you, you shared one of my, my stories and I, I, I like to just look at who shares and just send them a message. Yeah. And I remember I replied to you and um, I think that's how we connected. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't know how I found you in the first place. I'm sure somebody probably shared one of your quotes. And then I went onto your page and was like, wow, every single post resonates. And it's not the same stuff that's been like used over and over again. It's new ideas and it's fresh ideas and it's new perspectives and yeah, I just think you're fantastic at what you do. And I would love if you could do an introduction and just to kind of tell people about who you are, your journey and why you do what you do now. For sure. Yeah, I'll give like the the three minute journey because it can be a little bit long. So I'll, I'll make <laughs> yeah. it condense it into as short time as possible while you yeah. actually understand who I am. So if I was to rewind everyone back to my very first year of high school, I was at a sports high school. And as I was at the sports high school, as you can imagine, a lot of the kids were super fit and athletic. However, for me, I was the complete opposite. While all the other kids were fit, I was a chubby kid. And I wasn't massively overweight or obese or anything like that, but you know, I was chubby enough to, to get laughed at and get bullied. Every single day while I was at that school, I was constantly called Fat Matt. And when, something, when someone says something to you again and again and again, it really does affect your self-perception. And it got to the point where I remember coming home from school, you know, putting my bag on the ground and locking my room, locking my door. And if you were a fly on the wall, you would have seen this little kid just looking at himself in the mirror and just grabbing the fat on his stomach, just wishing he could rip it all off. So then that way, the next day, he didn't have to get laughed at. I remember that this went on for a very long time. And eventually I started to just feel so much pain that I started to work out. I started to eat healthier. I started to do all these different things. And long story short there, I became a personal trainer many years down the track. The biggest challenge though, was that I found even though I transformed my body, I still wasn't feeling good in my body. I started to learn that how I see is much more important than how I look. And when that started to click for me, I thought a lot would change. Like I would start to love myself, but I don't know if you've ever had the point where you've read a book, you had a concept in your mind and you understood it intellectually, but it wasn't integrated. It wasn't embodied. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened for me. I knew about self-love. I started to read more books about belief systems, how to distorts your perception of reality. And even though I knew that intellectually, I was still looking at myself in the mirror, keeping you stuck in the past. Because even though I was in the current present moment, my body was still living in the past. You know, my inner child was still very wounded. My inner child was still feeling like 
I'm unsafe in my body, that I'm not good enough because I didn't heal being bullied as a kid. That's how I really started to get into this work because I became obsessed with learning how to transform myself first. And now being able to help other people all around the world, whether that be at the retreats, whether that be people coming into my deep end program. And everyone is coming for different reasons. You know, Some people are coming because they've been bullied, but some people come into the program because all the way into you know, getting kidnapped, getting sexually abused, being hit by their partner, like all of these things is also trauma, massive trauma. So what I'm really about is helping people release their past and get to a point where they can feel emotionally free. Amazing. Amazing how you turned. I, I, I know that pain. I know that pain. And I think that when I was younger, I had this, a similar experience to you that I was the fat one, the fat sister. I was called fat when I was six, six years old. And it, from that age, I remember from that age, I've always covered myself up. So in the summertime, everyone would be out playing and I'd be inside because I didn't want my body to be on show. And I was so young. And it's amazing how something so painful can, can actually be you be the reason that we take that course in life and be the reason like I'm sure you're so grateful for everything that happened to you and mm. everything you went through and all that pain I remember that feeling of standing in the mirror I used to want to get a, a scissors and cut off my stomach fat yes you know it was like if I can just cut this off and it'd be gone then I would be whole and I would be free and I would be happy and it was so frustrating and then obviously as a child you know you can emotionally eat as well because of the pain and you don't understand how that and then it kind of feeds the cycle that's just an incredible story and it's just so amazing what you do you know when you were a PT and you realized I've made some changes and they were all kind of physical and my, my world is still kind of the same I still have this dissatisfaction with life I still don't feel completely whole I still don't feel like changing my body or changing my outside world has yes. actually done anything for me in here and I think a lot of people, especially a lot of my followers and listeners, have got to this point where they have this self-awareness that they know they need to change something in here, okay? I think a lot of people talk about this now on Instagram. And to be honest, when I was younger, I wish I had this many people talking about how important the inner work is. But I think a lot of people, because there's so much information out there now, there's a lot of people like you and I who are doing this work. A lot of people just don't know where to start. And I would love if you could kind of break down the kind of advice you would give to someone who is at that point of self-awareness, knows they want to change, knows they need to do the inner work, but has absolutely no idea where to begin. Yes. So what I guide all of my clients through, and this is the thing that I guided myself through, because one of, the, one of the people that I really love is Tony Robbins. And he said a quote when I was 18 years old, 17 years old, that has always stuck with me. And he said that success leaves clues. So what I was about, I was really about finding the recipe for why it is that people were able to go through sexual trauma and release that emotional charge when they were able to think of an past event. Or why is it that people were able to get bullied like I was and then no longer feel that, that body shame anymore? And when I started to just learn from so many different people and found, find out what I did on my journey, I wanted to synthesize all that information into easy steps to follow. And I created something called um, the five steps to inner transformation or the five pillars to inner transformation. And you already touched on the first one. The foundation for all of it, number one, is self-awareness. It's very hard to change something if you're not aware of it. And there's different levels of awareness. There's the awareness where there is a problem, such as I don't feel good in my body, or I feel like there is this trauma. However, there also might be a different level of awareness when you can have objective feedback, whether that be from a coach, 
whether that be by journaling yourself and just being able to discover or uncover um, the root of it all. Because a lot of the time we might have these emotions that starts to emerge of feeling uncomfortable in our body, whatever it might be. But there might also be a specific event that if you were to go back and allow yourself to release that suppressed emotion that was suppressed during that event, now that emotional charge is now gone and you have a different level of perception of yourself. Yeah, so basically I had an awareness that I was uncomfortable in my body when I had an eating disorder. But when I went to see a hypnotherapist, she took me back to that memory of when I was six years old and it was like a whole new level of self-awareness was there. It was like... I'd already kind of cracked open a little bit this awareness, but then when I saw that memory, it was like. Phew. So that's that's a, that's the first step, and the second step is to go into self healing, self healing, being able to clear out any of that trauma or any of those belief systems that you created back then, being able to clear out that uh, that meaning that you placed on who you are or your parents or whoever it was back then. And to say that there is one way to do this is not true because there's so many different ways. It's just like if a personal trainer said that this is the only way to exercise for you to be healthy. Nope. There's multiple different ways. Same thing with self-healing. There are things like breath work, just being able to speak to a friend or a therapist that can be healing. They can be just going out in nature, connecting back to nature that can be healing. But there are also things that have been much more effective. Breath work is one, being able to just sit and meditate and allow all the feelings to come up and emerge and flow out, that can be really healing. Mm -hmm. So many of us are just scared to feel. That yeah. was me for a very long time, especially as a man being conditioned that if you feel, then you are weak. If you feel, then you are gay. Like it that doesn't make any sense. Like all of these beliefs that was preventing me from actually doing that. Yeah. So that's the second step, being able to self-heal. And the second and third thing, they're kind of like brother and sister, the second pillar and the third pillar, because they go hand in hand. And the third pillar, this is all about being able to self-program. So once you self-heal and you clear it all out, then you have to replace your subconscious with new programs. It's kind of like if you have a garden and you look at the garden and there's all these flowers there that just you don't want. You have to be able to pull out those weeds that are causing that garden to not flourish. And then once it's cleared out, then you can start to plant those new seeds, yeah. right? And that's what we're doing. Once we start to clear all this out, the new seeds uh, is the, sub, the, the subconscious programming. Mm -hmm. So the way that we do this, by the way, is through three different ways. The first way is what people are doing right now, which is uh, verbal programming. This is all about what we're hearing, auditory sense, whether that be listening to podcasts, whether that be just becoming aware of your self-talk, whether that be just surrounding yourself with empowering people that lift you up, because all of that has a massive effect on our subconscious mind, how we are seeing ourselves. The second way is through visual programming, watching YouTube videos, watching things that inspires us, watching things that evolves our brain. And the third step is all about experiences, whether that be uh, you know, going to the retreats or whether that be having a coach, whether that be having a healer to do something with you to release anything. But a significant emotional experience is by far the most effective way to be able to self-program your subconscious, but also your body. Yeah. So those are the th first three steps. Uh -huh. And the last two, um, I believe, are so critical to your self-healing journey, your inner transformation journey. Number four is all about self-regulating. Because I, you, everyone at times is going to have a point in life where you just don't feel good. You feel like shit. Yeah. You get triggered. Yeah. Anxiety pops up. Mm -hmm. Something happens where you react. 
And it's not about never reacting on your journey. It's just about shortening the time span between a conscious response to an unconscious reaction. Okay. Because everyone's going to get triggered. Everyone's going to be able, everyone's going to react. Self-regulation is just being able to get yourself to the point where you can go from angry, frustrated, feeling anxiety to calmness, tranquility, relaxation. And the easiest way to do this, by the way, is to breathe. Okay. Taking a deep breath in because as we start to breathe, we're, it's like a sending a signal to our nervous system that, yo, chill, Matt, you're safe. You're all good. Relax. You're here. <laughs> like that's what self-regulation is all about. Mm-hmm. But the last step, this is a never ending journey. Pillar number five is all about self-leadership. Okay. And self-leadership is about self-guiding, self-directing your behavior, thoughts, and emotions to a desired outcome or a goal. For some people, self-leadership is about creating a vision for your life and being able to make it happen. For some people, it's the micro day-to-day things where you just want to make sure that you don't hit snooze when you wake up tomorrow morning, or you just want to meditate for five minutes, or you want to say no to eating that chocolate and saying yes to meditation. That's self-leadership. Self-leadership is not about being perfect. It's about just doing your best day-to-day, making small little progress and honoring your humanness along the way. Because there's going to be times where you're just not a good leader, where you say you want to do one thing and you do the complete opposite. And it's about honoring your emotions, honoring your humanness when you do fall down, when you don't you know, do those things that you said you were going to do. Yeah. Because we're human. Amazing. And from that point, I guess, I feel like that's where I'm at at the moment in those kind of final steps where you're kind of really just like managing yourself and making sure you keep growing. And it's almost like pulling strings, isn't it? But I guess that when you get to that fifth stage and you are pressing snooze every morning, we can go back to kind of step one and two and figure out again where some of those, you know, uncovered beliefs are. And I guess as we grow on our journey, we will keep finding these nuggets of like, oh, I never finished things. Why do I never finish anything? And we, again, we go back. And I guess once you've done all these steps once, it's far easier to then, when you recognize something in you that's holding you back or causing you pain or, or, you know, that you're hanging on to, then you can just go keep going back through these steps and it becomes a much easier process than this initial, very painful digging out and, and pulling out the weeds. You can kind of just go into the garden and go, don't need that weed. Let's plant a new seed. I don't know. I think once you've done this work once and you've gone through those steps that you've explained, which is just, I've never heard anyone explain it so, so clearly. And so it's just so wonderful to hear the way you say it. Cause it's like a veil is lifted and you can see this is how you do it. And these are the steps and it's actually very straightforward, even though it's painful, this is the way to do it. Yeah. I just think that's fantastic because it's, it, it does just get easier and easier, even though like things that are really hard might come up the way that you handle it and the way that you approach it just becomes easier, doesn't it? hundred percent. You said one thing that I really want to help people with because sometimes with self-awareness, one, one thing that really helps me is just always having the white belt mentality. And what this right. is about, it's just about coming into any type of learning space or just life in general from the point of the only thing that I know is that I know nothing. Because the very second that we think that we have something, I have, I have awesome self-awareness that is actually blocking us from actually going even deeper. So one of the things that I heard at 17 years old, 18 years old, that has changed the game for me in terms of self-awareness is how you do anything is how you do everything. What you just said is like, oh, I always, I don't finish everything. Like that, how you develop self-awareness, like everyone always says like, who's your, who's the thing that, who's the person that teaches you the most, Matt? And I think about people like Tony Robbins and so on, but also myself, 
I'm my biggest guru because I can start to become aware of, ah, here I am mowing the lawn and here I am cutting the grass and I go three quarters of the way and then I stop. Yeah. Where else in my life is this pattern showing up? Uh, interesting. I, I start drawing and then I just feel unmotivated and I stop. Where else in my life do I start something and then stop? Start something and then stop. And we, we might start to notice that all these patterns are showing up in all areas of our life. Yeah. That's the first thing, right? Yeah. And the whole entire um, theme of my, my deep end program and retreats is the very second that you feel like you don't want to do something or the ego is telling you to do something, this whole entire program I say to everyone, just do the exact opposite of what your ego is telling you to do. So when the fear kicks in, do it anyway. <laughs> yes. Do it yeah. anyways. Right? <clears throat> or yeah. just start to just interrupt your pattern. Right? If you want to hit snooze and the mind saying, yeah, just hit snooze. Like Notice that intent, but just when we start to do something again and again and again, we are creating new neural pathways in our brain. And if we do that enough times, suddenly this becomes the new normal. It's just the yeah. way, our way of being. And yeah, because this is exactly what I did when waking up at 5am. And I, mm. when I first started, it was excruciating. Waking up at 5am for me was so painful. I had a four-month old at the time. Um, and, but I knew I needed to sort my life out. I knew I needed to change. And I knew I needed, as a mother, I needed time in the morning for me. I needed to carve out time in my day. I needed to make it happen so that I could focus on my goals rather than, not, no offense to being a mother, but just be a mother. I needed more for me. I love being a mom more than anything, but like, so important to have that time. So I carved it out and I set my alarm and I got up every day and it was painful because I was building those new neural pathways and my old neural pathways were going, stay in bed, sleep in, it's all right, this is comfortable, it's really safe here, we can stay in bed, it's safe, it's comfortable, it's warm, it's great. And my new neural pathways are going, oh, I've got to get out of bed. Yes. And then eventually, you know, it only took about two weeks, I'd say, I was springing out of bed. I was so excited to get up. And now it's a couple of years on, I'd say, yeah, maybe like a year on, a year and a half, and I cannot stay in bed. Like I can't, I physically can't do it. It'll be a Sunday morning and it'll be 6 a.m. And I will, without my alarm going off, I wake up and I get up. It would be uncomfortable for me to stay in bed now. There is this painful part where it is uncomfortable and it is scary because it goes against what your ego wants, which is to keep you small and keep you safe yes. and keep you, keep you kind of wrapped in cotton wool. And it's your higher self that wants to break out and go, I can do and be and have anything that I want. Yes. But the reason a lot of people don't do that is because it's that initial stage where you have to rewire your brain. You have to re-fucking re do your garden, you know? <laughs> but once you're over that hurdle, you're in a new territory. It's almost like you've opened a portal to a new world and there you are and you're in it. And it's not hard forever, you know? And my one was the opposite, you know, for a very long time. And I think that this will resonate with a lot of people because some people they're either in the stage of they're feeling unmotivated and they need to start getting up early and doing those morning rituals and then there's some people who are on the other side of the spectrum where they just go, 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 make yeah. stuff happen, work out every day. And they, they're opposite, like doing the exact opposite of what the ego is telling them to do is actually just giving themselves permission to just chill a little bit, to have that Sunday where you can sleep in, to not work out for the fifth time in that day. Like, so what you're describing now is me at the other end of the spectrum where I don't allow myself to rest as much as I should. So go on, carry on. This is interesting for me. I'm learning. <laughs> It's just being able to do that. My whole entire thing was what you just, what you're in right now. And still to this day, like there, there sometimes might be a bit of guilt or shame that shows up in my body if I'm not just relaxing, if I'm not working. 
And this is, this is why inner child work, I believe is so important because the reason why all these things tends to happen is usually stems from childhood. There was a person's love who we craved to the most growing up. And we felt like we had to be a certain way for that person. Usually it's a parent. And what happens is it's all based on survival. So for me, the person's love that I craved the most was my dad, who I thought I had to be for my dad was someone who is always working, someone who is always on, someone who is making things happen because he wasn't someone who gave me a lot of love growing up. When he gave me love, it was rewarded when I was doing things, when I was achieving things, when I was making things happen in sport. So I created this idea that that's who I have to be in order for me to receive my dad's love. But this was during childhood. 20 years later, 15 years later, that pattern is still going. So I had to do some inner child work and let my seven-year-old self know like, hey, I love you even when you're resting. You are worthy even when you're chilling out. Yeah. Even when you quote unquote fail, you are still amazing. So sometimes that's really important to do that work as well. So interesting. So on that topic, Mm. let's talk a little bit about this problem that they are tied to their childhood and they are tied to their past experiences and a lot of blockages come from this idea that they can't get past what happened to them and they can't kind of let go of maybe the guilt or the shame around a a mistake that they made or something that they did that they just feel maybe like they're not worthy or there's so many different scenarios for things that can happen in our past that hold us back but if somebody's struggling with that what would you say is kind of the best way to approach it i know you just talked about inner child work maybe maybe go a bit deeper on that or yeah for sure so i'll touch on it from a multiple different angles so breaking down what is inner child work if you talk to a psychologist or a psychotherapist if they start to describe the inner child might say something along the lines of your inner child is a subpersonality that lives dormant within your subconscious or some people, if you talk to a spiritual teacher, they're going to refer back to your energy centers that was blocked, your chakras that was blocked. I just keep things simple and say that your inner child is just the younger version of you that is living within you, whether that be in your body, whether that be in your mind. But that inner child, the seven-year-old you, the six-year-old you, the 10-year-old you is there. And what happens is from a young kid between zero to four, we are living through a lens which is called egocentric. I don't like using a lot of jargon, but egocentric, another way to think about this is imagine if I was wearing these glasses Mm -hmm. and when I put these glasses on, the lens determines what I'm seeing. So when you're living in an egocentric lens, by the way, adults still live in this state as well, but what you're really filtering or what you're really seeing is everything is about me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. Like how old's your, your little one? She is two in August. Okay. So she's probably not saying, Hey, I wonder if mom's going through some things right now. I'm going <laughs> to wait. I'm going to pause my crying and only cry when she's, when she's, uh, when she's like feeling relaxed, she's going to cry regardless of what you're going through because it's based on survival. If she doesn't live through that lens, yeah. then what happens is she could literally die. Yeah. We all need this. However, with every gift, there's also a limitation. So as a three-year-old little boy, a three-year-old little girl, just a three-year-old little child, Let's say that their parents are fighting mm-hmm. and, and their dad leaves. Through the lens of me, 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 who's going to take the blame for that? Yeah. That little kid. Dad leaves and he never comes back for multiple years. You don't, you don't have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Dad left because of me. Okay. This is just younger selves just doing the best that we could with seeing what was happening. Like We don't have the ability to have empathy and to say, you know what, yeah. maybe he left because he was going through some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea about that, right? Right. So what happens is when we go through inner child work, and I'll give everyone a bit of an idea 
how to do this. And I'll give everyone a free meditation. I give a meditation. Oh, thank you. I'll create a link for everyone where they can go to and they can um, listen to it. So then that way it's not just a, oh, that's a cool podcast, but you can actually experience it. Incredible. So what, what, how this works is I teach my clients something called the inner child process. And there's three C's. The first thing that we want to do is we want to place some consciousness or just another word for this is awareness. Mm-hmm. So just becoming aware of what's happening in your body, becoming aware of your senses, scanning your whole entire body from the top of your forehead all the way down to the bottom of your toes. And once you're fully in your body, then the second thing is about connecting. This is when you're pulling up an image of the younger version of you in your mind. And you're starting to look at your younger version of you in the eyes and seeing the sadness, seeing the the blame that the younger you put on that event, mm-hmm. seeing the guilt and the shame that that younger you was holding onto or has been holding onto for a very long time. And it doesn't always have to be when you're a young little kid. This can also be the 17-year-old you, the 20-year-old you when you made that mistake, yeah. right? when you did that thing that you've been holding a lot of guilt and shame around, mm-hmm. being able to connect to him, her, like connect to your inner child and just being able to see and feel that pain that they're going through. Yeah. And then the third C is about completing. Right. This is when you're asking them, what is it that they need? Mm-hmm. And to keep things simple, like all children need a few things in order for them to have healthy childhood development. Number one is for them to be seen. Mm-hmm. For them to be like, hey, Matt, I just want to let you know that I see you. I acknowledge you. I, I see how much effort that you're putting into your schoolwork. You're, you're doing awesome. I just want to let you know that. I sure as hell didn't get that. No way, right? But the second thing is we also need to be heard. The ability to be like, hey, Matt, what's coming up for you right now? Like, do you have an opinion? Like, what are you feeling right now? Yeah. And then for me to be able to express myself and not be interrupted. I didn't get that. Instead, I got told, Matt, shut up. Stop speaking. Stop, stop yelling. Be yeah. quiet, right? Definitely didn't get that. But also to be physically comforted. Baby starts crying, just the ability of just rocking her hand, just rocking the baby. Yeah. The baby starts, stops crying. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is the ability to have a safe space to express yourself unapologetically, to express yourself however it might be, whether yeah. that be through the form of play, creativity, intuition, whatever it might be. Yeah. Especially as a man, like my dad was in the army. So if I started to play up too much, he was very serious. Like stop playing around. Yeah. Stop crying, like be very serious. So as an adult, I had a really hard time dancing, just allowing my inner child to come out and play. Okay. So the reason why I'm breaking that down, the inner child is the accumulation of all those unmet needs. When you weren't seen growing up, when you weren't heard growing up, when you weren't physically confident, when you didn't have that safe space. So your inner child is probably going to say, I just need a hug. Yeah. And yeah. in that moment, you just hug yourself. Yeah. Or... <clears throat> I just, need to, I just need to let this off my chest. What's up? I say, little buddy. What's up, little buddy? Like, what's up? Yeah. You know what? what I just feel like uncomfortable and I just feel like there's this thing that happened. I just, I just, I just, I just don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I will be talking to my inner child mm-hmm. as if I'm giving that, my inner child advice. That's what I'm doing. Right. And what we're all trying to do is we're just becoming the parent that we didn't have or the parent that we needed during that time. Yeah. That's inner child work. So I'll, I'll create something because there's a meditation that I take everyone through through those three steps. And you won't need to like put in your name and email or anything like that. I'll put it on my website, um, mattkarma.com forward slash 
M-E-G-A-N. That's how you spell your name, yeah? yeah? Just M-E-G-A-N. Yeah, that's fine. That'd be amazing. Thank you so much because it's amazing. Like you said, <laughs> it's so easy to listen to these things, podcasts, webinars, and then think that's cool information and yeah. never apply it because they, and then people think they know it. Oh, I heard that. So I know it. And it's like, you don't really know anything until you've practiced it and you've tried it and you've lived it. And I think there's a lot of times in my life when I think back to being a child where I was told, shut up at the dinner table. I had the most loving, wonderful family and I definitely had the space to play and the space to dance and perform and whatever. So I've never struggled with that, but I definitely struggle with in my adult life thinking, am I being seen? Am I being heard? Do I need to overcompensate? Do I need to be louder? Do I need to, or should I shut up? And I still struggle now with having opinions. I struggle with deciding what I believe and not sitting on the fence about things because I don't want to upset anyone or I think that if I say this someone will tell me to shut up that'll bring up that wound for me where I was a kid and I was trying to say my opinion at the tape the dinner table and someone says oh I just get ignored you know you say you're speaking and you're speaking and you're speaking and you just nobody responds and you just think am I am I a ghost you know and you're a kid and you think Again, like you said, this must be about me. I'm annoying. I'm too loud. I'm not good enough. My opinion doesn't count. And then I had bulimia growing up. I had bulimia for years. And I told my parents, I told them, nobody listened. And I felt like I was screaming. And I used to have these dreams as a kid where I would be screaming or I'd be running away from something. And it makes more sense now I've grown up, but a lot of dreams where I'd be screaming and running and my family members we're all standing around watching and I'm running away from something scary and nobody did anything to help me. And I think that can be a really horrendous feeling as a child or as a teen growing up to feel like not only have you had the balls to speak out and tell people about your problem and not only have you plucked up the courage to actually express yourself, but it's fallen on deaf ears. I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I think that inner child work really is that. It make, Every time I do inner child work, I cry. Every, I don't think there's anything I've ever done that's more emotional than talking to that little person inside of you, looking that little cherub version of you in the face mm-hmm. and saying, are you okay? What do you need? And going back in time and being there for them in that moment and healing the past in such a powerful way. Like it really is like time travel in your mind, isn't it? It def- that's an awesome way to put it time travel in your mind that's yeah. literally what it is yeah you're, you're you're being that parent that you needed during that time yeah you know? so powerful oh what a great chat love this conversation so i think so a lot of people think that they need when they go through this process they need a coach they need a mentor they need a therapist and a lot of people do have financial barriers to this kind of work what would you say for anyone who can't afford to hire someone like yourself or another coach or therapist or do like an online program or whatever what would you say is the best route around that so that people don't just go well i've got no money so i'm not doing it that's a really good question so one of the things that i teach online but also to my my clients is something called the fan model it's an acronym f-a-n and this is about learning how learning ways to be able to deal with these traumas emotions that show up and also ways to not deal with it so what i found is that when for me when i really struggled with binge eating growing up that was my biggest thing that i struggled with like turning to food as a way for comfort there is two things that people will turn to whenever trauma trigger comes up and emotion starts to emerge and that is n and a and f is a thing that you want to be doing in order for you to heal by yourself and it doesn't cost any money right you can do this by yourself so n what people normally do what i did for majority of my life was numb myself n stands for numbing Mm -hmm. 
and ways that people numb themselves, it might be things like food, it might be things like porn, it might be things like drugs and all these different ways to numb ourselves from feeling. Yeah. The second thing is avoiding the emotion, avoiding the trigger, avoiding the trauma. That was a big thing for me. Literally by disassociating yourself, by changing the subject, by in your mind, just I don't want to think about that. So you change the subject in your own mind. Mm -hmm. It can also be things like shopping, gambling, scrolling through social media. That's happened a lot. Like I'm feeling uncomfortable. Let me just scroll for <laughs> <Guilty>. five hours. <laughs> so that can be something. Yeah. But what we want to do in those moments is do the exact opposite of what the ego is telling for us to do. And F stands for face it okay and what this basically is the three steps is we face it and feel it to free it okay right face it feel it free it and what that literally looks like is me sometimes feeling uncomfortable let me just sit down on my bed and let me just meditate let me put a timer on for seven minutes mm -hmm. for 10 minutes and let me just feel everything that's showing up okay but when we do that there's probably going to be i call it the egoic police officer that shows up and what i mean by this is that if you think about an intersection with all these cars coming through trying to flow through and let's say the traffic lights all electricity is down and there's a police officer saying okay you over there you guys can pass through all these cars on that end you can pass through but that those cars over there you have to stop for now you can't yeah. pass through actually you're not allowed to pass through at all turn all the way back around yeah what i believe is those cars are just like emotions mm -hmm these emotions trying to flow through our body and our ego is saying happiness, love, light, awesome. You can flow through the body. That's perfect. Anger, resentment, rage, guilt, shame. You're not allowed to flow through your body. You're not allowed to flow through this body. Mm -hmm. So let me just suppress it. Let me just, let me just avoid it. Let me just numb it. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is we want to allow and honor our humanness, allow any emotions that are trying to pass through with complete acceptance. That's what we're doing when we actually just sit in silence and we just allow ourselves to connect to our body and feel any emotions that are just trying to come through. Because when we do that, when we do face it, when we do feel it, we free it. Mm -hmm. So the easiest way, although the, not the easiest way, the simplest way that people can do this by themselves is by doing that. Definitely not easy. So say, for example, in the moment where you're having an argument with your partner and it's kind of like, you know, you want to scream back and they're screaming back and everything. It's just that self-awareness to take yourself off. Just sit with those emotions and let them flow through and feel them rather than what the ego is trying to do, which is basically sabotage you. And, and yes. so it's just in, and I get it a lot with my phone. So if I'm feeling a little bit anxious or whatever, I'll, I will go to my phone and scroll because it takes my mind away. I go on to posts and I, I get sucked into content. And But what I'm not doing is dealing with the anxiety. So there are times that I do face it now and I'm getting better at it. I just go and sit in the bath and I'll just sit there and lie there and everything that comes up, I just feel it. And yep. I think the most important thing is to take the meaning away from those feelings as well. Like the meaning you assign to them when they come up is what feels the scariest. And if we can look at them from this perspective of complete non-judgment, it's just a feeling and it's all feelings are equal. And guilt might, you know, hurt more than joy. But it, again, it's the same thing. It's just a feeling. If we can just sit with them and release the judgment of them and release the good and the bad labels and just feel it with non-judgment, it is honestly, it it's, is. you've cracked the code to experiencing a less painful life.
when you do that. I just had a thought. Have you ever had a cold shower? Like, have you ever like purposely had a cold shower? You know what? I've thought about it after doing Wim Hof, you know, the breathing with Wim Hof. Yeah. Just the cold shower thing. I've never done it, but. So I've been having ice baths and if anyone's ever had a cold shower or if you're just being cold and you just go out into the cold, what generally happens is you just start tensing up. You're just like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Two minutes goes by, three minutes goes by. What was uncomfortable is you're now able to tolerate it. Yeah. And I believe that's the same thing that happens when wow. you first start facing it and feeling it. You're like, this is shit. I hate this. I just want to run. But if you just stay there for three minutes, yeah. it will become more toler- uh, tolerable. Is that the word? Yeah, tolerable. Yeah, tolerable. it's like in the ocean and it's freezing. And then, and you, then you're like, next minute, everyone's like, is it cold? And you're like, no, it's fine. Come on in. <laughs> the, the key with this, Rab, is yeah. numb and avoid. What's generally happening is that it's short-term pleasure, long-term pain. Yeah. When we face it and feel it and free it, it's short-term pain, long-term pleasure. Because yeah. the thing that was creating the pain in the first place is now gone. But we just have to get past that initial stage of pain. Yeah. And I think this whole thing that we've been talking about today, a lot of it is getting through the initial. The hardest part is the beginning. The hardest part is when you start this work and you go, right, I want to change my life. And I'm going to get deep into my past and I'm going to pull out these weeds. And even though, like you said, it's a never ending journey and it goes on forever, you'll keep learning. Once you get over that first bit, that first facing your feelings, facing your emotions, sitting with them, feeling everything, doing the inner child work, all that stuff. And it might take a couple of months. It might take a year. It might take longer. Once you've got past that bit, you've got the rest of your life to live in this state of peace and harmony and happiness and and contentment and fulfillment and the pain of avoiding is far worse long-term than the pain of facing our shit right yes exactly that's a great great way to summarize it we'll end on that then thank you so much honestly like you're just if you haven't let me down i knew this was going to be an amazing chat but like i just think you're just so wonderful and i'd love to talk to you again maybe go deeper on some stuff do something together for sure Definitely. Thank you so much. I'll send people the link for the meditation as well. Thank you for thank you for having me on. You've been listening to Word, the podcast. Thank you so, so much for joining me. I really hope that you love this episode. Don't forget to join me next time and have a beautiful day.